Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Hello team and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. In case you missed us, I am sure you did. We are back with a fan favorite, a teacher favorite, everybody's favorite, Hi Jess, and how are we doing? And how many Sims expansions do you own? <laughs> you can answer both questions, please, and thank you. <laughs> Hello, I'm very happy to be back. I own Get to Work. I own um, Tiny Living. <laughs> and I own um, Parenthood. And um, I've got a bowling stuff pack. Your sims are living at large. And I've got city, the city living one. I'm obsessed. I just love that you thought, you know what my sims need in their life? They need a bowling alley. That's what they need. <laughs> yeah, but that's exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. <laughs> I actually, so in case any, you're welcome everybody, in case everybody wanted to know as well, so that you know, kind of where we're both standing, I also do own Get to Work, where Sims get to work and you go with them, which is also one of my husband's favorite things, so apparently that kind of, it, it, it still doesn't understand why I do it, and I think most people that are not listening, listener, if you don't play Sims, I know that you don't understand why we love it so much, I have City Life as well, I have University, which then I kind of regret it, because I was like, why am I relieving the trauma of going to uni through uh, a non-real being, um, and I also have Spa, the wellness one, because obviously with my background, but Tiny Living, I'm intrigued. And also there was the one, is Tiny Living the one about uh, kind of gardening, but also like you got the kind of like sustainable stuff and things like that, or is it another thing? The sustainable one is called Eco Lifestyle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody, I got it wrong. Wow. Tiny wow, she, she is sad. <laughs> 
<laughs> tiny living is the one where you can build tiny houses and your sims get they can grow their skills faster and they get they make friendships quicker when you have a tiny house cute mm-hmm. like sims is changing the world even from within i love it amazing so now what i would love to see is like in this episode how many people did we lose at up until minute two and a half and they'll be like now nah, not for me we should give them a time <laughs> you're not talking stamp. about marketing say <laughs> so like if you want to chat sims i'll be talking sims up to this point and then if you can just skip to a minute to talk about marketing <laughs> just you know for the sims chat i should put it at the beginning i should do an extra intro for the sim chat stay for the first three minutes and if you want to get to the marketing chat just kind of like skip back we'll be fine um but thank you okay so we now know which is great uh we can then chat off here about more updates that are coming as a reminder for everybody i do own a sim laptop uh, i mean own as in is an old laptop from my husband's work and that is my sims laptop because sims is so heavy that with any laptop that is not a computer that's the only thing you can have on it so just in case anybody needed to know as a reminder and yeah welcome again by the way jess let's go back to what we we're gonna talk about and um i have questions for you are you excited yeah i am buzzing you know i was thinking we if you remember our last chat with jess it went really well and we actually talked about a lot of questions we kind of tailored it towards the the session that she's going to run for us uh, for the cohort in general, because I thought it would be a great kind of starting point because it was all about foundation of social media strategy. Um, and so because we got some great responses from that, uh, we just thought to evolve because marketing is evolution. So our sessions together are going to be more about kind of questions because one of the thing is we get a lot of questions from our students and also I opened it to social as well this time just to see what come, comes up. A lot of questions about social, like when it comes to marketing, I think that's where a lot of people kind of want track towards. Um, we also have a couple of other questions. Um, I picked up three. We might be kind of talking about any more, but I really like these three because I think are quite relevant too. So I'm going to start with one of from our cohort students, if that's all right. Uh, one of your favorite topics, because if you follow Jess on Instagram, you've talked about it recently, is um, content pillars. This person asks, are content pillars still relevant in our strategy? Fun fact, this is something that more than one person asked as we introduce content pillars as a concept. So I'm going to open it up to you. I'm going to look at social media for this one because we use kind of content pillar more as guidelines rather than actually what you usually see. I just want to disclaim that. So it's not necessarily that kind of hard topic. It's more an understanding of your intent with your audience. But when it comes to content pillar, as we would think about them traditionally, if we know a bit of marketing, what do you think? Are they still relevant? Are they not relevant? Are they overhyped? Where are we sitting on them? And maybe remind us again of how you would define a content pillar. Okay. So I have a love-hate relationship with the content pillars. And this is the thing. If you've worked in marketing for the last pre-COVID, content pillars, like they, I, from my personal experience, weren't even a word. When I was employed, no one said, okay, so I want you to tell me what our content pillars are. None of, none of my employed bosses in marketing ever said that. It was never a thing. The only, the only thing we had to do is create content that the audience resonates with and create a variety of content. Fast forward to 
suddenly everybody waking up and becoming a pro at content <laughs> over lockdown, like the uh, uh, baby boom of marketers <laughs> that sprung out of everywhere and coaches and even business coaches to help people and help people who are just starting out creating content to promote themselves they might, they probably don't know what to say. And so this content pillars or content buckets, I think, just came out of the woodwork. And it's a thing, it is a thing, it is a marketing thing, but more of like something you learn in marketing uni rather than hands-on in the real world. So the baby boomer marketers came out and started sharing, you have to post, if you want to grow, you have to post educational, inspirational, relatable and sales content and those are those are the four pillars that you have to stick to now yes educational content is amazing all uh sales content you have to post it but we can sometimes get stuck in a content pillar rut where you have to post an educational carousel because it's 12 o'clock on tuesday and that becomes the reason the reason becomes the consistency rather than what your audience actually needs from you. When you're doing a mark, when you're doing marketing for your small business, you always have to be on the money. You always have to be looking at what your audience needs, what are their likes, what are their dislikes. And if you're stuck in content pillar world, you can be stuck inside your bubble of your brand rather than doing that research and staying kind of on the money. I hope that makes sense. I went into a bit of a rant, but I tried to break it down. It's okay. Uh, to be honest, there was part of me that knew and hoped you were going to go that way. So when the question was asked, like again, for my multiple people, that's why I don't have a name. I just wanted to bring it back. So, <clears throat> excuse me, just to piggyback on that because I agree 100%. And that's interesting how you define pillars. How we do pillars, which is a twist on how I would see pillars. And I agree, I worked in marketing for almost 14 years now. We pretty much. And pillars were not a thing when I started about 14 years ago. That's the funny thing. <clears throat> we talk about topics, for example, as well, but I agree and I love the reframing you've done. It was almost kind of curated as a way to help people that started posting content and how many people did. And there's a lot of, I see now a lot kind of people coming up and being like, you know, content pillars are not your strategy. And I believe that as well. And I agree with that too. But I think then it's great to say that, but then you also need to give people an understanding of that, what a strategy is, because even if it's kind of sensational, it's like, yeah, content pillars are not your strategy. And I'm like, fine. And then they say, strategy is a combination of things. And part of me is like, you can't just say what strategy is, because even you, you Jess, you kind of mentioned that I think sometimes we find, we want to find a silver bullet when it comes to these things. And I think that a strategy involves different things that we talked about again in the previous episode, if you want to. What I like to use pillars as and what we call pillars, for example, is actually tied back into your values. So it's kind of like using your values to inform some content that you might want to create so that everything kind of falls together. And the students love it, fun fact, because they actually said it helps them with their creativity of things to try. So I think it's almost like one which you talked about, one side of the coin is like, if you do find that you're struggling, if you do find that you want some structure, you want to kind of bring things and cohesiveness together, something, whatever you want to call it, we call it pillars, that kind of has a guideline is great. 
But then you always have to get back to both the needs of your audience and in a way also the direction of the platforms, which we'll get back to in the next question. Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense. but I think you are. Kind of- I think you are. But I think a good example would be to share alt marketing schools pillars and oh, why they're there. Excellent point. It's kind of fun fact because we literally redid this. And that's another point, actually. We redid that recently because we had to kind of refresh. So I'm going to go with to our values, which are, I'm actually turning them into a sentence. That's our all side conversation. But I found that it was a lot easier for me to remember them because I had a very swanky values. And I never mentioned them because actually what I kept saying is we want to make marketing impactful, accessible, um, inclusive, human and fun. That's the one. <laughs> it's sticking into my head now. So I kept saying it and saying, I realized that these are our values. So I think that kind of shows you in a way, the different kind of pillars that we have. And I almost mimicked it around that. What do we want to do for our audience? Yes, we want to educate them on how to make their content more uh, accessible and inclusive. Yes, we also want to make the content more human. So we also want to entertain and relate to them. And then obviously we break it down into the different ways that we can do it. One thing that I was going to say, though, just to add on the strategy piece, is that even with these examples of like taking the value and then thinking, okay, what are we going to still do? What are we going to give them? I always go back to the strategy, though. I need to make sure that these kind of pillars or guidelines build a journey for the audience. So they help them identify what are their problems. They help them identifying what they're struggling with. They help qualifying or feel like we understand those and we can provide some solutions. And then again, after that, we share with them how we can help. So you have to do that know, like, and trust. And I think we kind of forgot about its existence in social media. And we kind of think everybody that kind of gets to know you and meets Jess for the first time, they're like, yeah, I'm going to buy from you tomorrow. You know, and I think we need to find a combination of content that can help with the different sides of our relationship building journey instead of always looking at, engaging and selling almost. And I think that's what, what we are missing. Instead of thinking about it as brand awareness, can we thinking about people actually getting to know you, getting to understand who you are, whether it's behind the scenes or any type of content? Is it helping? Again, it's a, it's a bigger conversation, but I didn't want to just randomly mention values and pillars. I wanted to give you an understanding of how, how I put them into practice. Love it. <laughs> just like nodding. Um, well, you know, that was actually a good point into the next question. I'm going to go to a social media question now, though, because I think it kind of ties back with this. And the other question that we got, this this happened today with like the tag, I'm so stressed as well. So yes. the person said, I'm so stressed. They were like, how do I change my strategy? That's why I wanted to uh, talk about this. Now the Instagram is back to being a photo app. So, because I think it's relevant to what we just talked about. I thought I'll bring this one up now. What are your thoughts? Because I have thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts because I think I, I rambled a lot about our stuff. So I'm going to leave it to you to tell me what you've been thinking when I'm pretty sure you've seen everybody just flailing about this as well. Yeah, it's people feel like this because there's so many culture vulture marketers on the app that tell you the rules like just post reels, just post trends post five times a day, don't post static content. There was a dip in static content when Reels was first added to the app because Reels were getting priority because they just wanted to do that, which makes sense. 
But the playing field leveled out really quickly, but misinformation was still threaded through everybody's feeds because that's how gurus can get a quick buck. If they say something like conspiracy, <laughs> they just end up getting loads of people going, oh yeah, that must be true because my content isn't working. I've been getting really low engagement and it must be because Instagram isn't for still content. It must be because of that. When really it's because, and I say this with so much love, but your content isn't hitting the mark for your audience. You're not getting, you're not getting the engagement that you'd like because your content, there's something wrong there and we need to fix it. It's not because Instagram's platform prefers one content style to another. Like, I still see videos on there that have been taken from TikTok with the TikTok logo going viral. I still see little, you know, the smallest Instagram photo size. I still see that being shared in loads of people's stories in the same size. Like The Rock recently posted a really tiny landscape video that went viral. Like there's no, the only rule to strategy and it's, is to make good content that makes sense if you want to captivate your audience. Instagram will gobble up any form of content you feed to it. It loves it. Feed me more, see more. Like, it will take everything you give it. But it's in your audience's hands whether that content thrives or not. Can I add something to that? Yeah. Which is actually going to be completely unrelated to this because I think you nailed the the actual understanding behind the feelings as well, but also why people have these concerns and this is happening. The other thing that I want to say, and I'm also saying that we love, let's, let's just kind of preempt that, but especially from somebody, again, who's worked in marketing for a long time and used channels that now are even extinct. I even tried Vine for one of the companies I was working for because Vine was a thing. Anybody who knows what Vine is, show my age, you know? So anyway, the point being, these platforms are free platforms for us to share our content. And we need to remember that because... Before I was doing marketing, so maybe 20 years ago, we were mainly reliant. Marketing was mainly paid for. There was a bit of content marketing, but that was also very novel. So a lot of it was paid for advertising. Marketing wasn't a thing in itself until then advertising shaped up into other ways of marketing yourself when like word of mouth became more of a thing on top of it too. So I'm saying this just to kind of put things in perspective as well. It's like you, everybody's doing their own best interest. I'm not saying that Adam Adam is like becoming like Dr. Evil, just like in a corner. But, you know, the platform is just trying to survive. It's trying to make money. It's trying to grow because, you know, the company wants to keep on going. So we have to think about it this way. This is a tool that you can use also for free to kind of reach more people. And that is great. Yes, it's taking us a lot of time, but whichever tool you're going to use, you won't incur into that issue. So this is just a reminder that if this platform is not working for you because you're going against... Um, we talk about it also in the session with Jess coming up with the students, like the content that they asking you to create, you hate, you genuinely hate it, then don't do it to yourself, especially if you have that choice. If you're not working for somebody else and they're asking you to be on TikTok and you hate it, if you have that choice, then, you know, choose a platform with a format, with a, pl- a space that actually you enjoy. And I just wanted to say this because the platforms will keep changing. You can't do anything about that. And I totally agree. 
go back and listen to Jess again. Strategies about great content, regardless of what content it is. The platforms will take it anyway. But also remember that the platforms are a free tool for you to use. And that it means that you have the choice to use the tools that you want. Am I being a bit too harsh? Or am I, you know, because I think it's important to remember that as well. I think sometimes we forget it. It almost becomes like this is what we have to do to have a business. You can change, you can pivot if you need to, because this is a platform that you are showing up on. But there's so many other ways that you can do that. Yeah, completely. Tough love today. Well, we're, yeah. on, we're on a we're on a roll of tough. Bam, bam, bam. <laughs> we're bringing it on. But I think it's important because, especially when you're tackling marketing, regardless of your your role as a marketer, because you know I would even say founders can be marketers when this is pretty much what you do for your business. I think there's a we forget about actually that. How do we know if we're on the right platform? How do we know if we should stay here? How do we know where to go? And as you say, we rely on people that we trust and we look at what they're saying. But I also want to remind you that Jess and I are adorable. I believe that. But even we are not, I mean, I'm certainly not a guru. I know you wouldn't call yourself a guru either. But, you know, we, we're just people that have been doing this for a while and we're learning from our mistakes and what we see and our clients and my students and stuff. So taking like that, remember that, the more education you can do on yourself and the more you can actually become um, a scientist, that's what I like to call us as marketers, the more you actually work on the data, the knowledge that you have, not what other people are telling you to do. You look at what your audience wants because there is data. That's one of the positives of digital marketing we forget about. You got data, boo. I know data ain't sexy. Data ain't sexy for most of us, but you can use it to your advantage. And with data, you can actually figure out what your audience wants more than what you think. And sometimes it kind of that we forget about that. But anyway, maybe because I like data and I'm a nerd. I, I know, know you're a data marketing girly. I'm not a data marketing girly at all. <laughs> I'm like the sparkles emoji. You're the chart emoji. In oh, mm. no, I'm actually the little guy with the glasses emoji. Oh, yes. That's kind of... I feel I live, I live between this the guy with the sparkle gla- the glasses emoji and the little piece emoji. So I'm a combination of the two. I just jump in between both. <laughs> I'm Literally, sparkles this is and the nails one. Cute. Okay, mm-hmm. I see that. I know you say you're not a, a, a data girly, but I still or marketer, but I still can see you using the knowledge. So what do you want oh, to call I it, data? Because I'm not gonna be scared. You have to. So like, I'm a data girly, but like. I don't reluctant I'm reluctant to open it and I do it every month I'm like yeah great mm, delicious good data but it's something that I when I have capacity to will outsource that side I want the knowledge knowledge is power but I'm like I feel you know when your content's doing well and it's not you can feel it <laughs> but data is you know, definitely important and for all my clients I'm a data marketer but for me, I think I'm, it also like, helps. It kind of bridges that gap of knowledge sometimes. Yeah. If you if you don't know, it can. I think it gives you the extra element of reassurance because I I believe again, having been on the other side, we look at people that we consider experts or that they know more than us because we don't exactly know what to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I feel that it's good to listen to them. I mean, right? Oh, and um, try it for yourself and you know inform yourself in your decisions. But also you have other things. That's what I want to say. You have other outlets that you can use to figure out what's going on. Um, Or even better, ask your people. Ask your your audience. Ask your clients, you know. Um, You know, asking powerful questions is probably one of the most underrated skills of marketers, in my opinion. 
but that's just me. 100% market research is so important, but it's way more than just like an Instagram story. <laughs> you have to ask the real questions and don't be scared to hear some constructive criticism. It's all good knowledge. How would you, how would you say somebody can do that? Because I think like more from a logistical point of view, I think from an emotional point of view, yeah. some people might be like, hmm, sounds great, Jess, but how do I deal with constructive criticism, especially when I've worked so hard? I know. It totally depends on what you're ready for. So it's taken me years of being in business to open myself up to do market research. I'm getting into my first personal market research this year. But with my clients, what I say to them is don't ask people you're actually close with in real life. Don't ask people in your community that you idolize or perhaps they do the same thing as you. Choose people that are engaging with your content regularly, even if it's just two or three people, and really ask them what they're into right now, what they like and what they don't like, because you won't be as offended if they say, it's not working for me, you know? That's actually very true. I think that, and again, that's what I wanted to ask you, because I think it's less about necessarily logistically, even if, you know, it's good to have some guidelines on that. And I do agree is that it's more than just an Instagram story. But I generally also find that there's a lot of resistance when it comes from a human level, because obviously we're also dealing with harder humans. So I think that's a great, great suggestion. So thank you for sharing that. I've got one more question. And I, I, if that's okay, I'm going to start with my take, just because I feel that's my wheelhouse, but I want to hear yours too. This question came from, again, our community and core students, because I shared a really interesting um, article that, or a case study, love a case study, about Duolingo and retention. So questions can pop in, especially because at time of recording, we just did our amazing uh, marketing final session with Veronica. So our certification students have been like, like obsessed about all all the things that we talked about there. So one of the question, the question itself is, and I'm going to take in it from a couple of instances again. I phrased it as, "What is your favorite way to drive engagement with new customers?" Basically, we're talking about loyalty in a marketing funnel. If you don't know what a marketing funnel is, it's the journey that your audience or will take or your customers will take to become a customer and then obviously stay a loyal customer and even become an advocate. So it's something that we know. If you've been working in marketing, you probably heard it because a lot of us use it, especially historically. But in general, it helps us understanding that we don't need just to focus on acquisition, getting new people. We actually can focus on retention, kind of making the most of the people that we have and even have, have them help us attracting new clients. So the reason why I love this question is because I really believe that it's important to focus more on the loyalty piece, but also the engagement piece of our customers. Instead of being like, I got your money, bye. And then it's like disappearing in a puff of smoke for like a month or two. And uh, so I love to look at different and engaging ways to kind of, you know, surprise and delight your customers. So that's what we call it. In the certification, we call it how can we surprise and delight our clients and customers. And one of my favorite ways to drive engagement is actually through gamification, especially with a new customer or client. I'll provide you with one example. We are building, so hopefully at time of releasing this is going to be out, but we're building a new quiz to help our new community members in our self-paced course library to choose their first course. So it's going to be like a three or four question quiz. And all it is, is that, so we're going to build that quiz and that's going to be one step to kind of help them decide. But also we're going to have micro missions for them that they can take. 
And they're all related to them starting to use the platform in our case. And obviously each mission, they can get a little something if they actually complete it. So it adds small action steps. It adds accountability. Again, potentially we're exploring the reward because everything is better with a reward. But also even if you were like, fab, this sounds like a lot, you can just start with the gamification of a quiz and that can be a great way. That's my favorite way because actually it can work in a lot of case studies, whether it's a physical product, whether it's even like a a bigger client, a high ticket client, whether it's community and stuff like that. I really like the idea of gamification when engaging with new customers because it gives them something to do and it makes it fun. So that would be one of my favorite ways. I don't know if you have anything that you have experienced, Jess, as a customer yourself, or maybe something that you have done with your clients that you find really helps them when they're just new to you. Maybe something that your clients do with their customers, but I would love to hear uh, some ideas from you as well. I think my love language is gifts. I love receiving gifts. And so whenever I've, and I'm a magpie, if someone gives me something, I can't let it go. Like even if it's a little handwritten note saying, thank you for da, 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 it's with me forever. <laughs> so personally, if you gift me and you write me a little note or you send me something of a, a gift of appreciation, I will remember you forever. I will recommend you to everyone. You've got me in. You've reeled me in. But the way I show love is through words of affirmation. So my the way I portray love isn't through gift giving. So if you're my friend in real life, you know I'm really rubbish at birthday presents and Christmas presents because it's just like I do it, but it's like... I'm not the best at it. The wrapping is always like a gift bag. Like I'm not, it doesn't bring me as much joy. But what I do like doing is giving people words of encouragement and being available to them. So the way I support my clients is with really close, personable, I'm very approachable. You can always DM me. You can always get in touch with me. And so When I work one-to-one with clients, we have that kind of relationship that goes deeper than marketing. And that's just how I work. It won't work for everyone, but it's just internally how I show affection is by, is with words. So I, and I, I would love to have the capacity to gift people and send them a little note and give them a little something, but I don't think that where I am right now it's possible I just I haven't got I'm working way too hard but what I do have capacity for is to send someone a really nice dm when I see they've completed a task tell them how amazing they're doing screenshot them tag them in my story show them off to all my all my community shout about them that's how I show my clients affection and I feel like that's where we really connect and it's when you connect with someone that they recommend you but I think it's different for everyone, depending on how you love. That makes sense. It does. And I think you actually brought up um, a great point altogether anyway, which is obviously I give, uh, I would say, almost more like of a of a scalable and a very low touch point way to do that, which is one example. But I love that you brought, give us more of a higher touch point and also like a continuous kind of touch point way, which I would say if you have a thousand users on your app it might be hard for you to do that but if you are for example working with less people or you are working with different tiers of people and you're looking at a more kind of supported 
experience. That's exactly what we do with our students. I comment on every single assignment they do. I give feedback on all of them. If they do a post, I celebrate that as well. We reshare everything. And I agree that that is our way also of showcasing that we are the cheerleaders because that's what we call ourselves. We believe that we can be. And I think it's really important to remember that that all the micro touches, whatever they are for you, are part of that customer experience. And I think we don't talk in marketing about customer experience enough, even if it's different depending on who you are and your means and what you can do. You can, and I love that you shared your example because it shows that you can provide an outstanding customer experience without even having to use a fancy tool or buy lots of gifts for people. And I think sometimes we think that our customer experience is something that we can achieve or work on when we have the means and the money. I would say do that before you have that in a simple way and that will help you grow. That would be kind of my thing or my takeaway from what you just said. Look at us. So much goodness in in 30 hours. I mean, 30 hours. Wow. In 30 hours. <laughs> Everybody's been 30 hours. I know it flew. It flew by, but it was indeed 30 hours. Um, so... Well, with that, these are our questions and we might open it up on social again. So keep an eye out on marketing school in case we do that. But obviously, if you're part of the community or if one of our students, we do actually share with you. We ask you before we record this session, if you have any specific questions, we will kind of get them from you. So thank you so much for submitting your questions. Now, Jess, what are you up to and where can people find out more about you as this episode is ending? You can. The quickest way to get in touch with me is on Instagram, which is at jessica.sophia.bruno, or you can catch me on LinkedIn. Those are the two platforms that I'm doing at the moment. Um, everything that I'm doing is on there. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And as always, you can find out more about us at allmarketingschool.com or All Marketing School on all social. Also, go and check out because we are running another one of our introductory live experiences a three-day experience that we do in may so if you go to allmarketingschool.com slash courses you can find out more about that too but in the meantime as always we'll be back next week and for now class dismissed thank you so much for listening head to allmarketingschool.com to find out more about the topics that we covered in this week's class if you want to make your teachers happy then hop onto itunes and leave us a five-star review oh and don't forget to spend the love on instagram at altmarketingschool Until next time.